Hey friends, so far this season we've introduced you to the antimatter versions of many familiar particles, like the antiproton, the antineutron, the antineutrino, and of course the anti-electron, or positron. We'll get back to more specific antiparticles later, but for today we're specifically talking about where to find antimatter out in the wild. Relative to matter, antimatter is pretty rare, but it's still all around us. Far and away the best place to look for particles in the wild, antimatter or otherwise, is in cosmic rays. We did a whole mini-series on cosmic rays just before launching this third season, but don't worry, we'll start out with a brief review of the highlights. Let's get started. Hey friends! Welcome to the Field Guide to Particle Physics. This is your informal guide to the subatomic ecosystem that we're all immersed in. Today, we're talking about the positron excess. Space is not a safe place. Matter and energy take on a totally different form than is familiar from our planetary lifestyle. Radiation is everywhere, and with it we find high-energy particles flying all over the place. One of the biggest challenges in a voyage to Mars is shielding the travelers from all that radiation. Our magnetosphere and atmosphere do an outstanding job of filtering out most of the high-energy particles flying at us from all directions in space. Many energetic particles come from the sun. Fast-moving protons and electrons that boil off our friendly plasma ball get trapped in the Van Allen belts of our Earth's magnetic field. Way above the atmosphere, we can sometimes see them as the aurora. Other energetic particles come to us from inside the Milky Way galaxy. Exploding stars, neutron stars, and other monstrous astrophysical objects can shed or accelerate their own high-energy particles. Often, these particles have more energy than those put off by the sun, but it's the same story. A lot of protons, a few electrons, and some heavier nuclei, like alpha particles. Much less often, we see cosmic rays made up of even bigger things, like the nuclei of carbon, silicon, or even iron. Some particles come from outside our galaxy. These can sometimes have outrageously high velocities, and are observed as miles-wide particle showers by large ground-based detector arrays. And they aren't common. One of the biggest of these ever observed was by the Fly's Eye camera back in 1991. It had over 50 jowls of energy packed into a single particle, probably a proton. That's about the same kinetic energy as a baseball being thrown around, but in a single particle. Fast-moving, high-energy particles, the ones flying in from outside our solar system, are typically called cosmic rays. A tiny fraction of these cosmic rays are actually made of antimatter, antiprotons and positrons specifically. Understanding where all these cosmic rays come from is an important scientific question in its own right, but understanding where the antimatter comes from, and how much of it there is, has been a truly fascinating question, especially of late. Where does the cosmic antimatter come from? The ratio of matter to antimatter in cosmic rays is small, and it varies with particle speed. Typical numbers are like 1 or 2 antiprotons for every 10,000 protons. The ratio of positrons to electrons is a bit higher, closer to a few parts in 100. But one thing we haven't seen? 
bigger antiparticles. No antideuterons or anti-alpha particles have yet been observed, at all, let alone any bigger antinuclei. But of course, we still see big nuclei in cosmic rays all the time. Because cosmic rays come from other parts of the galaxy, or even outside of it, these ratios are basically consistent with our typical assumption that all observed antimatter is secondary. That is, it is created through the collision or decay of so-called normal matter. Really fast cosmic rays occasionally interact with other particles in our galaxy. The tiny, sparse bits of gas and dust in the large voids between stars. Sometimes we call that the interstellar medium. Those collisions often generate more particles, and just like in our own atmosphere, antiparticles are part of that collision debris. Just like the proton and the electron, to the best of our knowledge, the antiproton and the positron are stable particles. So unless they annihilate with protons and electrons, these particles of antimatter just kind of hang around. The collective effect of all these cosmic rays bounding around our galaxy is a very small but measurable population of antiprotons and positrons flying at us as secondary cosmic rays. If we were to assume that all antimatter is secondary, that is, if antiprotons and positrons are created only from collisions in the interstellar medium, we can use that assumption to calculate how much of it we would expect to see. In these calculations, the number of antiprotons pretty much lines up with expectations. While a little on the high side, the population of antiprotons in our galaxy essentially agrees with what you'd expect from collisions with other cosmic rays in the interstellar medium. While it is possible that antideuterons and anti-alpha particles could also be created in these collisions, they are rare, and the expected number of them is currently far below our current experimental sensitivity. Positrons are a different story. What's fascinating astroparticle physicists these days is that the number of positrons observed in cosmic rays is noticeably higher than what we'd expect from these kinds of calculations. In particular, the number of positrons at higher energies is much bigger than we'd expect if they were only created in collisions, upwards of 10% or more. In short, we see too many positrons flying at us as cosmic rays, and we don't know why what we do know about cosmic rays. The Earth's atmosphere is much denser than interstellar space, so cosmic rays that make it to Earth typically collide dramatically with molecules in the upper atmosphere. With land-based detectors, we can see the resulting showers of particles down here on Earth. We can calculate how much energy they had, but we can't exactly say what kind of particle they were. To assess the species of particle that's slamming into the Earth, we need to capture, identify, and count them before they strike the atmosphere. We need, in other words, particle detectors on satellites. Older experiments like the Fermi Gamma-ray Telescope and Pamela detector were put in orbit around the Earth on satellites, but the current state-of-the-art, the AMS-2 Cosmic Ray experiment, is literally in a box attached to the side of the International Space Station. All these experiments agree. Cosmic rays follow a somewhat predictable pattern. Most particles come equally from every direction in space. So as a population of particles, they are very likely diffused around the entire galaxy. The number of particles we see depends on their energy. Roughly speaking, the more energy a particle has, the less common it is to see. But this trend is also true by particle species. 
In aggregate, simpler particles are also more common than complex ones. And of course, antimatter is far, far less common than ordinary matter. There are a few minor exceptions to these rules, and they have all been explained by various physical phenomena, like the distinction between lower energy cosmic rays from inside our galaxy to higher energy cosmic rays coming from outside our galaxy. Each of these minor bumps on an otherwise clean plot of counts of cosmic rays is a fascinating story in its own right. But today, we'll focus on one massive, glaring irregularity. Again, the number of positrons observed as cosmic rays at higher energies is much higher than we'd expect. The positron excess. If a picture is worth a thousand words, I'll spare you the detailed explanation and point you to our show notes, where you will find a link to a plot in a 2019 publication by the AMS2 collaboration towards understanding the origin of cosmic ray positrons. If you like, pause the show now and go look it up. Or do it later. Either way, I'll summarize that plot here. Per the most recent AMS2 data analysis, the spectrum of positrons in cosmic rays can be cleanly represented with a two-component model. The first component, valid at lower energies, is the usual expected effect of interstellar media collision debris with higher energy cosmic rays. It peaks at around 5 to 10 GeV, with a slightly long tail towards higher energies. The second component, valid at higher energies, appears to be associated with a different and stronger source of positrons, whose peak is closer to a few hundred GeV. This model, for an as-yet-unknown source of positrons, is skewed slightly in the other direction, with a longer tail towards lower energies and a sharp cutoff on the higher energy side, estimated to be around 800 GeV. Now, this two-component model is just one interpretation of the data, an agnostic but best-fit model. The essential point it captures is that the positrons in cosmic rays very likely come from multiple sources. The data associated to the second source term in the model is what we refer to as the excess of positrons. As noted in the affirmation publication, there are a few possible explanations for that excess. Pulsars, fast-spinning husks of recently deceased stars, may well lose some of their rotational energy to radiation and the production of particle-antiparticle pairs, you know, like electrons and positrons. Pulsars could be a source for these positrons. Another, more intriguing explanation is that the positrons are created as a byproduct of some kind of dark matter-anti-dark matter annihilation. Dark matter is a theoretical framework for explaining a vast assortment of astrophysical phenomena, which are all basically consistent with a new kind of stable or long-lived particle. Such a particle would not interact with light at all, and hence the name, dark matter. Of course, we don't know if dark matter is really made up of particles, and if so, we don't know what those particles would be. For example, neutrinos don't interact with light, but they are not populous enough, they are not massive enough to account for the astrophysical phenomena. Dark matter would represent new particle physics, a further extension of the standard model. Because many such models of new particle physics include particles that could well act like dark matter, the positron excess serves as an exciting consistency check or constraint on such models. If the annihilation of a new kind of dark matter particle were responsible for the excess of positrons, the AMS2 data already highly constrains its properties. 
in particular, and it has to be very heavy, like around a TeV or more. And it has to decay through some intermediate state, some other particle, before producing any of these excess positrons. This scenario is qualitatively consistent with the fact that we haven't yet seen any evidence for dark matter at the LHC, or in other direct detection experiments, like LUX or Xenon. In summary, antimatter is out there. It's coming in from outer space, like the anti-muons and positrons that appear in our atmosphere from collisions with these high-energy particles. Antiprotons and positrons are occasionally formed by tiny collisions all over our galaxy. But the number of positrons we see is inconsistent with our understanding of how these secondary cosmic rays form. In certain energy ranges, we see far too many positrons. Something is definitely going on, something we haven't yet accounted for, something new. Something, perhaps, perhaps, like dark matter. This has been an installment of the Field Guide to Particle Physics, a copyrighted production of the Poseidon Institute. We're in our third season, and it's all about antimatter. Thank you so much for listening. If you found this episode interesting, fascinating, pleasantly confusing, or even just useful, please make sure to subscribe for more and pass it around. For a full, free online copy of the Field Guide, please visit our website at Poseidon.org or follow the Poseidon Institute on Instagram. At the Poseidon Institute, we are on a mission to build and share physics knowledge without barriers. Come learn with us. <laughs>